1: So Moses, what did he do? He made haste. He bowed his head toward the earth and he worshipped. And then he said in verse 9, If now I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray, go among us, even though we are a stiff-necked. Notice what Moses is saying here. Even though we are a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us as your inheritance so stop right there saints let's just back up just a bit again in chapter 32 moses comes down from the mountain got to the camp and he saw the people dancing moses got upset he threw the tablets of stone down and he broke them and god says moses he says go cut two tablets of stone in verse one like the first ones now, here's something that I think is interesting here and what I see. God says, Moses, go cut two tablets of stone like the first one. You know, I think we can learn something from this, that our God, listen, are you listening? Amen. Our God is a God of second chances. Amen. As a matter of fact, i go one better. Our God is a God of second chances and third chances and fourth and fifth. And God, you could almost say, listen, is almost unlimited in chances. We could say that. Because here we see God giving Moses and the people a second chance because notice it is in God's nature to give second chances. God doesn't say, listen, Moses, you failed and you're finished. God doesn't say, you're done and I'm going to disintegrate you. God, listen, saints, is into restoration, not disintegration. Amen. God's in the restoration. I think of Abraham when he denied Sarah was his wife. Remember that? And God gave him a second chance and used him. I think of Moses who murdered a man and buried, buried him in the desert sand. Remember that? God used him. Of course, you remember David who committed adultery and then lied and murdered someone and covered it up. And God still used him. And then, of course, you think of Peter in the New Testament as he denied Jesus three times and, 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 and he warmed himself by the enemy's fire and God used him. And then Paul, the apostle, who persecuted Christians and blasphemed Christ and God didn't give up on him. Over and over, saints, listen, there are stories of men who blew it, that God used them mightily. God is the God of second chances. And God's mercy is inexhaustible and God keeps working with us and God keeps giving us chances. Isn't that right? And aren't you glad about it? I'm glad about it. So now that Israel's heart is in the right place to restore the covenant, God provides a new set of tablets of stone and Moses broke them. But notice in verse four, the Bible tells us early in the morning, verse two, early in the morning. God says, get up in the morning. You see that? Moses, come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself to me in the top of the mountain. And no man shall come with you. Notice in the morning, not in the afternoon. Notice in the morning, not in the evening. Notice in the morning. Do you know that God is into mornings? You say, Pastor Rodney, I'm not a morning person. Well, you need to get to be a morning person because God is. I know y'all don't like that. I, know I have it written in my notes. They won't like this. God is in two mornings. I mean, you think about it. Over and over in the scriptures, Psalm 143, if you're taking notes, Psalm 143, verse 8, Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. And then in Psalm 30, verse 5, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes when, saints? In the morning, Psalm 22, verse 16. Jesus said, I am the bright and the morning star. God spoke to Abraham early in the morning. God told Moses to go tell Pharaoh, let my people go early in the morning. God told David to get up early in the morning to go nail Goliath. The women went to the tomb when early in the morning, many times in life in ministry, in your life, God wants you to get up early in the morning. I don't necessarily like it either. I don't. I mean, Sunday, God God woke me up at 4 and woke my wife up at 2. I said, God, I was under the impression that morning at least started around (laughs) 6. I don't know where I got that from, but, I mean, I'm not sure, but 2 a.m. seems just a tad early. I became a morning person in the military. My first day in boot camp. <laughs> first day I'll never forget as long as I live. First day in boot camp, and uh, we, we we went to the map station. Then we got our hair cut, and uh, we head on over to Great Lakes from Philadelphia. We find ourselves the Great Lakes, and we, I think we got there like at one o'clock in the morning. I kid you not. It was like the longest day ever. We got there at 1 o'clock in the morning. And by the time we got situated and got in the bed, it was like 2, got in the rack. And I, um, I, took, uh, I remember taking the top rack. I'm, you know, I'm from, I'm from Philly. I got this. You know what I mean? <laughs> I got this. I'm, I'm going to take top rack and get me some shut-eye, and uh, we'll get up tomorrow, boot camp, and then I'll start this whole PT thing. Whatever it is, I got it. I'm running this, so I think laying in the rag, I'm knocked out. I just remember being cold. And I hear, get out of that bed, you maggots, you recruits. He said a couple other expletives (laughs) that are unmentionable. And uh, I remember I hear all the people jumping out, boots hitting the floor, feet hitting the floor, and all this uh, lights are on, and he's disturbing me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm laying in that, I'm laying in that like... I ain't getting out of bed. What are you talking about? It's too early. I looked over my watch. I'm like, man, it's four thirty in the morning. I have only been asleep two and a half hours. I am not getting up. Everybody else jumping around. I could hear him. I'm like, I'm not getting out of bed. Next thing I knew, the whole rack, bunk, everything flipped over. <laughs> and that happened in the morning. And uh, ever since then, I've been a morning person. <laughs> It's amazing how God can use stuff. <laughs> and who would have ever thunk it? I mean, you know, I am, I am really, seriously, a morning person. And, and now I get up in the morning, I'm just up and away. I think the military, honestly, everyone should spend, I think it should be mandatory. Everybody should spend at least two years in the military. That was, that was from all the people who have been in the military. <laughs> and all the rest of y'all like, I don't think so. <laughs> Pastor, you need to move right along. No, I think it, it's good, the things I learned there, and the discipline that I learned. I would never, ever have it today, and I don't think that I would have it now in my ministry. A lot of things I learned in the military, I apply now. And here's one. You do what you have to do, irregardless of whether you sleep or not. You do what you have to do. I don't think, Mo- you know what, I don't honestly think Moses went to sleep that night. God said, get, get, get the tablets ready. I'm sure he was getting the chisel, <laughs> getting the hammer, getting stuff together, thinking I better get this right because I messed it up the last time. Who knows? Hey, I don't think, I don't, I don't think he got much sleep that night. He might have got some sleep, but he might not have got much sleep. But you learn the discipline that you need, and I'm actually thankful that I got those disciplines. And I encourage you, spend time in the morning. Get up and, how about try like one, one early morning a week. I know, don't, you can't go cold turkey. I know some of y'all just like, I just can't do it, Pastor Ronnie. I can't do it. I know. But just, 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 just a day. Just say, okay, God, I'm just going to get up just this one day and, and I'm going to... You can do that for the Lord. Yeah, we want to sleep late and go to bed late. How about go to bed a little bit earlier, get the rest you need, and then you can wake up. God's trying to wake you up. Don't make him turn that rack <laughs> over on you now. Got to get your attention. So he told Moses, he says, meet me alone in the morning. So Moses, listen, is climbing up the mountain with the two tablets of stone. And these aren't little tablets. I mean, Moses, got, keep in mind now, he's probably 80 plus years old. I mean, Moses was in shape. He was ripped. He had to be. There's no way he couldn't have been. God kept calling him up and down that mountain. I mean, I could imagine he just gets down there and he's like, oh, okay, what y'all down here doing? God says, Moses, come up here. I want to tell you something that I want you to go back down there and tell the people. <laughs> Moses said, God, you know, can we get a cell or something? I mean, you know, I'm just going up and down, up and down, up and down. And they get you in shape. So Moses is 80 years old. He's got to be in great shape. He's climbing to the top of the mountain. And notice when he gets up there, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there. Look at verse 5. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there. I have this word, these words underlined because I, I can't even get my mind around that. I can't get my mind around that. The Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there. You know, sometimes it's good to read the Bible and just stop. Just try to get your mind. He stood with him. What in the world did that feel like? God's just right there, standing with him in this cloud. And this cloud, listen, is no doubt the Shekinah glory of God. It's the same cloud that covered Mount Sinai, Exodus nineteen sixteen. It's the same cloud that went with Israel by day, Exodus 13, verse 21 and 22. It's the same cloud that went to the tent of Moses in Exodus 33, 9 and 10. This would be, saints, listen, the same cloud that filled the temple with glory. Second Chronicles 7, 2. The same cloud that overshadowed Mary at the conception of Jesus, Luke 1, 35. The same cloud that was present at the transfiguration of Jesus, Luke 9, 34, 35. Certainly the Shekinah glory, the same cloud, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 1, that will be present at the return of Jesus. The Shekinah glory of God, this cloud. So Moses get the scene. He's hidden in the cleft of the rock. The Lord passed by and proclaimed his name, which literally means that God revealed his character to Moses. And hidden in the rock, he, he, he saw as much of God's glory that he could take. As God said, as he's revealing his nature now, God said in verse 6, as he passed by, he proclaimed the Lord. You looking at it? The Lord God. That's the same old name for God that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob knew. And I point that out to tell you this. Listen, God isn't giving Moses a new revelation. It's the same eternal, immutable, unchanging God Yahweh. YHWH. YHVH. Yahweh. It's spelled that way without vows because the Jewish people felt that God's name was too holy to. And so what we have is the Lord, Yahweh, Y-H-W-H or Y-H-V-H, Tetragrammaton is what it's called. God's name is so holy, he couldn't even say it, the Lord. It's the same Lord. When the Bible says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, it's the same immutable, unchanging Lord. He is God. And he's a God of the Old Testament and he's the Lord of the New Testament. And it's very interesting because talking about the nature and the characteristics of God, you know, there are some people who say that the Old Testament God is different than the New Testament God. Have you ever heard that? That the Old Testament God is mean and he's angry and he's vengeful and he's a God of wrath. But the New Testament God is loving and gracious and kind and benevolent. People say, listen, that's not true. The God of the Old Testament is the same God in the New Testament. Amen. And what we see here, we can see that here. Notice the characteristics, the attributes of the nature of God. The Lord God, verse 6, are you looking at it? Amen. The Lord God, he is what, saints? Merciful. Merciful. Merciful is better translated, full of compassion. That sounds like Psalm 78, verse 38. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and did not destroy them. Yes, many a time he turned his anger away and he did not stir up all his wrath. You see, that's compassion in action. He is full of compassion. And not only is he full of compassion, but go ahead and peek at it. He's also what? Gracious. You see that? Gracious comes from the idea to bend or stoop in kindness to an inferior. It's grace. It's giving to the undeserving. And not only is he merciful and gracious, but he's also long-suffering. You see that? You see, the idea behind the word long-suffering means that God, look at me, that God is slow to anger. God is slow to anger. That's so much different than people. Some people are just waiting to give you a piece of their mind. Aren't they? (laughs) You know what I tell you. They gave away so many pieces, they're kind of (laughs) crazy. They're giving away too many pieces. I give you a piece of my mind. You might want to hold on a minute. (laughs) You're already kind of crazy. Some people are just like that. They're just ready to give you a piece of their mind. I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. I'm going to tell you what i got to say. That's not like God. And you're being most unlike God when you're quick to anger. Don't misunderstand me. There's a place for righteous indignation. There's a place for anger. I really believe that. But we should never be quick to anger. You know, get a hold of the anger problem. Go to anger management or something. We shouldn't be quick. Go to your pastor. Go to church, not to... We should be quick to anger, slow to anger, because God is slow to anger. That means he is long-suffering. Not only is he long-suffering, but notice he's abounding in goodness. Are you looking at it? Abounding, Abounding in goodness and truth. Not just enough goodness and truth, but he has plenty. He's abounding. He's stacking it in the streets looking for people to give it to. Abounding in goodness and truth. Keeping mercy for thousands. Forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. God is a forgiving God. Saints, i got to point something out to you in verse 8. Notice, so Moses made haste and he bowed his head toward the earth. Are you looking at verse 8? And he worshipped. He worshipped. You know, Moses experienced an awesome, powerful presence of God, I think, for two reasons. Number one, because verse 8 tells us that God, when God told him what to do, he made haste to do it. Are you listening? He made haste to do it. He didn't delay. He did it quickly. He experienced the power in the presence of God. You know, I believe in all of my years of walking with God, I believe that obedience is relative to closeness. Did you get that? Obedience is relative to closeness. Again, obviously Moses didn't sleep that much that night. He got ready to do what God has called him to do. He was obedient. And because Moses was obedient, obedience is relative to closeness. You want to be close to God, you've got to do what God tells you to do. Jesus said it like this in John 14, 21. He said, He who has my commandment and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. If you love God, then you keep his commandments. If you love God, then you do what he tells you to do. If you love God, then you're obedient to God. And we can't say we love God if we don't obey God. Our obedience is the indicator to God that we really do love him. Not because we say it. Not because we go to church. Not because we come and sing songs. Not because we demonstrate acts of benevolence to the church and to people and to our family and our friends and our neighbors. Not because of that. But when you obey and do what he tells you to do. Then you are showing God that you love him. Obedience is relative to closeness. Number one. That's why I believe that Moses experienced the power and the presence of God. And then, secondly, I believe Moses experienced the power and the presence of God because he was humble. Look at verse 9. He realized in verse 9, let me make sure I'm right. Yeah, verse 9. He realized that we're all sinners, that we're all in the same boat. Did you get that? Moses said, Lord, look at verse 9. If you're looking at it, say amen. Amen. Moses said, Lord, pardon, the last part of verse 9, our iniquity and our sin and take us as your inheritance. Moses, look, the people were, you read the story the people were the ones worshiping the calf, not him. But I think that Moses identifies with the people, and he was humble, and he says, Lord, forgive us, forgive me, pardon our sins, because Moses is probably reaching way back to Exodus 2, where he killed that Egyptian. And that tells us, listen, be careful who's you're pointing your finger at somebody else, because there's sin in your own life. It may just look different, but it's sin. Who's righteous in here? Raise your hand if you're righteous. See, none of us are. We all have sin. And how dare we be harsh on one another? How dare we point fingers at one another? Because your sin looks different or you have deemed that that sin is worse than that sin. God doesn't even do that. If you transgress against God, you've broken one law, you broke them all, baby. Be gracious. Don't be so harsh. So judgmental. I'm not saying, look, it's all good because it isn't all good. Please, don't hear me. It's not all good. There's a lot of things out there that's just not all good and the church shouldn't accept it all because we're just loving, kind people. I'm not saying that either. I'm saying let's be gracious and let's be sure that we're including ourselves in that sin. Okay, God, they did this, but I've done that. Okay, Lord, they they worship the, the golden calf and they're dancing around naked and having orgies around a golden calf and getting drunk and all kinds of unspeakable things. But I killed an Egyptian. I murdered someone. So God, pardon our iniquities. And when you do that, listen, when you are a gracious person, God will be gracious to you. If you are a merciful, judgmental person, God will be un- 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 unmerciful and judge you. I don't know about you, but I want the grace of God upon my life. I'm willing to show grace. And don't push me too far. But I'm willing to go the extra mile with this thing called grace. Because I really don't believe that I can show too much grace. I don't. And I think that where, you know, you show too much grace, quote, unquote, and and you get to the place of you're allowing something, I I don't think God's ever unhappy if you're showing too much grace. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Y'all look at me like, I don't know what you're talking about. But uh, okay, fine. I just don't. I don't. I don't think God's ever unhappy if you show too much grace. What is that? But I think we can make God unhappy if we don't show enough grace.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina.